You're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. Cameron Billis, alongside me, like always, Colin Jackson. Colin, it's November, and you know what that means. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Last week we were talking about Halloween and trick-or-treating and costumes, and now all we can think about is gobble, 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 little turkey, little turkey day football. But you know what? It's also the first full month of professional basketball, and you know, there's nothing better. See, all I could think about was I'm cold now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, the weather's taking a turn for the worst. But you know what? I'm glad basketball's an indoor sport. And then again, I don't really see how it could be an outdoor sport, especially in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah, unless you moved every team out west. But uh, that's not happening anytime soon. But we're recording inside, so we got that going for us, and we're going to bring you a good, a good podcast. So here we go. Uh, the Pistons finally got a mark in the win column after beating the New York Knicks 98-95. to The Pistons completely dominated the Knicks throughout the whole game up until, per usual, the fourth quarter, where they were outscored by the Knickerbockers 36-23. to Except for this year, as compared to last year, they held on uh, for the victory. Last year, they had a lot of blown leads in the second half and fourth quarters of games, and you know what? It wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. Yeah. I mean, a win by three points is still a win. A W is a W. And what you said pretty much sums it up. I just can't believe that Detroit's back at it. I guess I can believe. I'm sad at believing this, but Detroit's back up to their usual antics, dominating, like you said, thir- uh, first three quarters. I was scoring the Knicks by five points to the first, uh, seven points in the second, four more points in the third, and then just 13 deficit in the fourth how are you going to do that how are you going to sacrifice everything you worked for especially when you come back at home to do this too well you know what it would not surprise me if nerves played a big factor in this you know the pistons had yet to win a game so that was kind of something that was probably in the back of their minds you know they had a big lead they thought about all the things that happened last year since they had a lot of guys from last year's team back and that combined with the fact that they hadn't gotten a win yet a lot of guys on the team were like, well, you know, we're getting close, but, you know, like, just come on. We got to get that first victory. We got to, like, we don't want to blow it. We don't want to blow it. We don't want to be the last team in the league not to get a win. And, you know, like, thinking about, oh, God, you know, a 17-point lead looks pretty safe, but last year we blew that quite a bit. So, you know, there's just playing it safe not to do that. And I think when you start to think about those things, it really affects your mindset as to how you play and how you finish the game. So my guess would be is that those two things definitely played a factor in the game last night. I guess what I normally see, I kind of see the nerves where you're coming from, but my opinion is nerves, uh, you get out there, uh, you start taking some bad shots, you're a little bit nervous, you're back at home. Uh, but once you're up and you think, okay, we finally might win this, that's when you press on the acceleration. That's when you go for it. That's when you're finally feeling good. They hit this drive from the beginning. And if nerves were going to play a factor, I guess in my opinion, I would say it would have happened during the first half. Then they needed to come out in the second half, make their adjustments, then try and go for the win. But personally, I see this as a team that came out, played confidently, and dominated, as you said. And then they just gave up a little bit in the end. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily giving up. I mean, you, if, if if nerves are a factor at the beginning, which is... I. I guess a possibility, but again, keep in mind, these are professional athletes. This is a regular season game earlier in the year where not a lot was at stake. 
if it was a playoff game, then maybe I can understand that. And like you said, at that point, if nerves are a factor early on, then you get into the swing of things and those nerves kind of go away. I think it was more just, you know, those nerves don't happen at the beginning because it wasn't a relevant game until the end where you're thinking, all right, now we have a realistic chance to get this first victory. We've blown big leads before. We did it a lot last year. And, you know, we don't want to be the last team to do it. And in your head, you just keep telling yourself that and you stop focusing on the task at hand. You're thinking too far ahead, not at the present. So I'll disagree with you on on the nerves part at the beginning because clearly they weren't nervous at the beginning. This was arguably the best game that they've played all year. You know, they finally were making jump shots. Uh, they went 11 for 23 from beyond the arc, which is fantastic. So I, again, I don't think nerves played a factor early on in this game. And I definitely think... It was just psychological stuff that allowed the Knicks to get back in the game in the fourth quarter. Now, to start the game, Stan Van Gundy did something a little bit interesting. He decided to go with Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond all in the starting lineup, and it clearly it worked. Greg Monroe was fantastic, scoring 23 points, grabbing 18 rebounds, and dishing out three assists. And Carmelo Anthony, who was guarded primarily by Josh Smith, got shut down, and we talked about this on our last podcast. Could the Pistons defend star players? In order to win games, you got to do that, and you let teams beat you by other players beating them, and obviously the Knicks couldn't do it last night. Carmelo couldn't do it Wednesday night. Carmelo uh, scored 13 points on only 5 of 21 from shooting. That's a Josh Smith-type night, if you ask me, but you know the star just didn't have it, and the Pistons took advantage of it. Now, I'll ask you this. Do you think... This is something, this big three lineup, now that it's worked for a game, is that something you think Van Gundy's going to roll with a little bit more often because he's seen, you know, he's tried that recipe and it's working a little bit. See, I feel like he's definitely more open to the idea now than he was before, a little bit uh, skeptical of when he was first hired. I'm not saying that they're gonna, you're going to see all three of them start every game from this point on, but I wouldn't be surprised if you definitely see it coming up uh, in the next couple of games and maybe in the future if it keeps happening uh as far as the pistons uh defense goes yeah like you said they made Melo have a josh smith type of night uh over four from beyond the arc that's textbook josh smith in detroit jersey at least uh aside from that uh they made i counting one two three four players on the next team that outscore Carmelo Anthony, who's known as a scorer. Uh, you see Tim Hardaway Jr. coming up with 20 points from the bench. And while that's not something good or to be looked upon as good if you're the Pistons, uh, I'm much happier to see the 20 points line go next to Tim Hardaway's name than with Carmelo Anthony's name. Yeah, and I'll, it's interesting you bring up Hardaway because his dad is actually an assistant coach on the Pistons staff. So, you know, there were some reports before the game, kind of fun reports is, oh, how does the dad feel about going against his son? And is he going to take it easy on him? Kind of just stuff like that. But no, I agree with you. And Hardaway got extended time because J.R. Smith was suspended for hitting another player in the groin during a game. He got a one-game suspension for that. So Textbooks J.R. Textbooks, textbook J.R. So... Hardaway got extended time due to that, and he took advantage of it. I think Hardaway is a good player in this league. I don't know if you watched the, not the rookie sophomore game anymore, basically the rookie sophomore game that's drafted by celebrities, or by last year I think it was Shaq and Charles Barkley. He went off last year. Him and Deion Waiters 
were going head-to-head, just at each other, back and forth, deep threes. It was fantastic television. But, you know, the kid's got game. I think he deserves more of a chance than what he's getting in New York. But I think he's got a bright future. Speaking of second-year players with bright futures, Colin, Contavious Caldwell-Pope really ignited the Pistons last night. He made four of his seven three-point shots and scored 20 points for Detroit. You know what? His first few games for the season were were not great. I'm not going to say that they were, but if he can have games like this more consistently, I'm not saying he needs to score 20 points, but give me 12 to 17 points per game, that's going to go a long way to helping the Pistons get to their ultimate goal of playoff basketball. You know, though, I'm glad you mentioned this because Kentavious Cowell-Pope definitely had a great game scoring-wise. But if you look at his other stats line, they're kind of dead. Uh, two rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. I'm not expecting a shooting guard to get that many blocks in the first place, but uh, it seems to me like this was mainly a scoring night. I mean, if you're hot, you're hot. So I'm not completely blaming him for not passing the ball for the other teams to get the, for other players on the team to get the assists. But... Um, this is something I still see there's work to be done here, I guess. Oh, yeah, obvious. I mean, it's nothing is ever done. It, it's obvious, especially with a young player. It's constant work in progress. But, you know, Van Gundy and the rest of the coaching staff can definitely take some things and build off that. So, I mean, you know, they'd ra- they'd rather get the victory and Pope score 20 points and get no assists than, you know, Pope dishing out maybe three assists, scoring eight points and taking a loss. Oh, definitely, definitely. Especially since now the Pistons finally have a win. Uh, last week, my face is a little red about this one. I was predicting a win uh, probably against Brooklyn and I believe also Minnesota, which I thought was a shoe in Yeah, oh, yeah, me too. And those ended, disappoint, uh, those ended disappointing with a six-point loss against uh, Minnesota and a 12-point loss against Brooklyn. So although a three-point uh, win against New York isn't the blowout I was expecting, I can take it. Yeah, win's a win. Getting that first one is huge. Once you do that, I think the guys are going to start to feel more comfortable, just kind of more relaxed out there. And yeah, I think I think good things are ahead for Detroit basketball. Now, last podcast we talked about the whole Josh Smith Kenneth Fareed incident. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we'll remind or we'll let you know. And for those who forgot, we'll remind you. Kenneth Fareed after the Pistons played Denver. Uh, on their opening night, Fareed called out Smith after the game against Detroit, saying Smith single-handedly shot Detroit out of the game. Uh, here's a here's a quote. Uh, Josh Smith, we let him keep shooting, Fareed told the Nuggets official website. Quote, and he ended up with 25, but he still kept shooting. He shot them out of the game, end quote. Now, when we talked about this, Josh Smith didn't have time to get his response out. But boy, he finally got it out, and it was an absolute doozy. Let's read some of the quotes here. This is from Josh Smith. Quote, he's scared of me. So of course he's going to talk about me in the newspaper. He's not going to do it to my face. If you've got to hide behind a smartphone or a microphone or a recorder, so be it. I don't respond to nobody that has dreadlocks and plays basketball. I don't respond to people like that. The man's a clown, man. Quote me on that, too. In order to make comments like that, you've got to be able to back it up, man. And we're going to see what happens next time. End quote. So, strong stuff from Josh Smith. There were some other things that he said that I'm not able to say uh, on our podcast here. So, you can look those up yourself. But, 
you know, I like this. I like this a lot. And, you know, good for Josh not letting Kenneth Fareed, who completely outplayed him and dominated him in that game, good for him not to let him just, you know, walk all over him off the court, too. The Pistons don't play the Nuggets until February, which is kind of upsetting, but when February comes around and the Nuggets are on the schedule, you know Josh Smith has it circled, you know Kenneth Fareed has it circled, it's going to get chippy, it'll be a nice, this could be the start of a rivalry for an East Coast, West Coast team. And that's good competitive basketball, that's something that the league's been missing for a while, Uh, I don't really think there's that hatred, I'm not going to say hatred, I guess, you want that sportsmanlike uh, nature of the game, Uh, it is a game after all, but... You need some type of fire in your blood there. But as far as Josh Smith's comments go, no, I'm, that made me laugh a lot when I heard what he said. Uh, my problem, I guess, is Ken Fareed, at least, that day on the court, he did back it up. It wasn't like he was just some clown with dreadlocks playing basketball. He was some clown with dreadlocks playing basketball that trounced your team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're Josh Smith, you got to fire back. You can't just sit down and take it. Uh, well, let's see what he does on the court afterward. No. And- you know, kind of throwing devil's advocate out there. Do you think this is something that could take away from the team, something that distracts the team? You know, some might say this is very self-centered of Josh to kind of just put the focus on him, put the focus on Fareed. He's not thinking about what this could mean to his team going forward. And in February, these games are going to be a lot more important than they are in November. And I guess as far as this goes... I'm not too concerned about Josh Smith's comments in the context of how it affects the whole team. Uh, we're only uh, four games into the season, uh, five after the Milwaukee game, and I don't think that some innocent, well, not, I'm not going to say innocent, but I don't think some comments made in the press uh, after someone insulted you just firing back at them. It's not like it's a full-out Twitter war or full-out press war. It's one guy saying something that was kind of based in fact. Josh Smith got 25 points that night but his shooting was terrible. Uh, and then Josh Smith trying to defend his own honor. I mean, that's understandable. So I don't think that takes away from the team very much. He doesn't bring the team into it. He kind of lets it be himself, his own issue. All right, well, you brought up the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's who's up next for Detroit on Friday night. So let's talk. Let's preview that game here. The Bucks are 2-2. Two and two. It's the Pistons' first division game of the year. The Bucks have a new head coach in Jason Kidd, and you know, a, one of Milwaukee's brightest players right now, Colin. Believe it or not, is Brandon Knight, former Piston. Right now, he's averaging eighteen point four points per game, seven and seven point two assists per game, and two steals per game. Those are pretty good numbers. He's doing a lot better than Brandon Brandon Jennings is. So let's take a look back at that trade uh, between Milwaukee and Detroit that took place last summer. The Pistons received Brandon Jennings for Slava Krovstov, uh Brandon Knight, and Chris Middleton. Middleton right now gets 11 points per game. You know, at the time, I was on Joe Dumars' side. I thought it was a risk worth taking. I thought Jennings had a lot of upside. Knight wasn't really getting it yet. And, you know, this seemed to be a move that could help really get the Pistons to the playoffs. It hasn't worked out that way. Thoughts on the trade now? I still think my my original opinion on this trade is Brandon Knight, this kid you brought in, uh, he has a lot of talent. You let him develop in Detroit a little bit more than just trade him immediately for another guy. Uh, I understand Jumar's 
uh, Joe Dumar's opinion. Uh, he wanted immediate talent versus later reward, but he obviously didn't get it. Right now, uh, Brandon Knight, or like I said, Brandon Knight, tearing it up on the scoring charts. Meanwhile, Brandon Jennings is a measly 9.5 points per game right now. Uh, who really wins there? Last season, he had the worst season of his career. Uh, I'm not saying Brandon Knight's season was much better in the Milwaukee jersey, but I still think that Brandon Knight should still be playing for Motor City if it was up to me. Yeah, and you know, in watching games of Milwaukee when they play Detroit, Chris Middleton has shown some really good things too. Yes, he only averages 11 points per game, but he's doing that in only 26 minutes. Uh, he's not a consistent starter for them. He started in three of their games, but I like the I like their core. I really like their nu- nucleus. And I mean, let's look at their nucleus: Jabari Parker, Brandon Knight, uh, Larry Sanders, a good young center, and my favorite of all of them is the Greek Freak. And I'm going to try and pronounce this as well as I can: Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think you did a good enough job. <laughs> you know, now that I got it, it kind of just rolls off the tongue. But over the summer, I kept reading reports on, on the Greek freak saying how Jason Kidd's going to try and use him at point guard. I mean, this guy is 6'11", 215, who can handle the ball well. His shooting's improving. And if that guy figures it out, he could be one of the best players in the league. Exactly. And just... It kind of makes you feel how uh, inferior your own genetics are. Looking at a guy like this, that just can has so much athletic potential. I mean, so far, like he's doing a good job. I would say uh, shooting four hundred percent from three point, uh, five forty three uh, for field goal percentage. I think that with whatever Jason Kidd's doing with him is working, and it's going to continue to grow and continue to do good things. And worries me a little bit uh, for the Pistons' sake. And for, I guess everyone else in the league, what's going to happen in a few years down the road? But I think it's off to a good start. Yeah, and he's he's only 19 years old. I mean, Andre Drummond just turned 21, so he's two years behind age-wise on Drummond. And we all have seen how Drummond's progressed over the past few years. So you know, this guy can build up more strength. He, he's going to improve more. I'm I, I don't know if you can tell just how excited I am for this player. He's not even on. He's not even on the Pistons, and I just love seeing this guy progress because I think he's just an absolute rare specimen. Um, you know, this kid's younger than I am. He was born on December 6, 1994. I was born on June 11, 1994. So to think that, like, I've always thought that just these kids who come into the league and are so athletic and so talented, who now at this point, these young guys are our age, if not younger than us, is just crazy to think about. Exactly, and I just don't know how to handle this right now. Uh, you're a little bit older than me, too. I'm not part of your generation yet. I guess uh, he, I'm only a month ahead of this guy, but something I'm looking forward to in the NBA, at least, is you compared him to Andre Drummond. I kind of want to see a battle of the big guys then, the young big kids in this league just duking it out on the court. I would love to see that, another rivalry happen. Yeah, well, you know. Again, Milwaukee, like I said, Jabari Parker, Brandon Knight, Giannis Antetokounmpo, bright future ahead of them. I'd say within three years they could be in the playoffs. Oh, most definitely. And let's hope people are saying the same thing about uh, Detroit in a week or two, maybe three. I know last se- uh, during the offseason, so many uh, doubts. 
even race by Jeff Van Gundy. I don't think Detroit can rebuild in a year. Joe Dumars couldn't express rebuild, so why can Stan Van Gundy? And so far, uh, it's kind of taken a Joe Dumars season, I got to be honest. But let's see where this goes. Now, focusing more on the upcoming matchup between Detroit and Milwaukee, Milwaukee so far, I know we're really early into the season, but they've had the seventh best defense. How does Detroit get their attack going? Really, though, um, they just got to shoot better, honestly. Even looking back at the Knicks game, then uh, going back to the Brooklyn game or before that uh, to the Timberwolves, the Pistons didn't really score much more in the first half, at least of the Knicks, of the Knicks game, than they did in those other games. The the key was they just played better defense. So Pistons should be able to score more points than they have been. But I think right now the Pistons are a defensive team. So if Josh Smith is on, if they can still uh, not get scored on by the star, push it to the bench players uh, like they did with the Knicks, maybe in a little, maybe even a little bit better, and not have that fourth quarter failure like you did uh, against the Knicks, that's how the Pistons can win this matchup. Well, I'll tell you what's going highly unnoticed. The play of Andre Drummond, I think, has been very underwhelming. So far this season, he's averaging 10.8 points per game and 10.5 rebounds per game with 1.8 blocks per game. The blocks is nice. You know, when someone says to you that you're averaging a double-double, the rebounds are nice. But I'm expecting Andre Drummond to get those points per games up to anywhere between 18 and 22. I think we need him to be our main guy. Defenses need to be scared of him when he's in the low post. And his low post game is improving, but also let's take a look at this. He's only averaging 27.3 minutes per game. I would expect him to play a good 33 to 37 minutes per game. He has gotten in foul trouble, and that's been a big problem so far. And his free throw shooting is horrendous at 31%, which is nine points lower than his career average of 40. But, you know, Andre Drummond needs to become the best player on this team if the Pistons are making the playoffs this year. Exactly. You know who is getting that 33 minutes a game? Greg Monroe. Uh, He's only played two games due to his uh, suspension earlier for the first two uh, games of the season. But he's scoring the 20.5 points per game numbers that we need out of Andre Drummond. If we can just get Andre Drummond up to that level too, uh, I think the Pistons team is going to be that much stronger. And that's really where this core is coming from right now, I guess. You don't depend on Josh Smith for scoring. You depend on him for defense. Uh, DJ Augustine, he's putting in his part. Uh, Kentavis Caldwell-Pope, he's putting in his part too, but you need Andre Drummond, I guess, at this point, and Greg Monroe to continue playing well. All right, so let's make our predictions. Do the Pistons pull out a victory against the Milwaukee Bucks? Pains me to say it, but I say no. No? Wow, even at home? Even at home. I say they can keep it within seven, but I don't think the Pistons get past 100 points at home. Wow. You know what? I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I think the Pistons are going to ride out that victory. It was close, and boy, it was a lot closer than it should have been, but they pulled it out, and I think they managed to tie some things together, fix some things up. The defense continues to improve, and the Pistons pull out a victory to move back within one game of 500. Now, after that, the Pistons play the Utah Jazz. The Jazz actually just beat the Cavaliers on a game-winning shot from Gordon Hayward. Unbelievable step-back shot. A lot of guts on that kid. But uh, 
you know, the Jazz are two and three right now. The team is averaging a hundred and three point two points per game as compared to Detroit, who's averaging eighty nine and a half. Defense needs to step it up, Colin, if the Pistons are gonna beat the very young Utah Jazz. And that's what I'm saying. Like you just the Pistons scoring has not been there this season. Uh Stan Van brought in all these people to help with scoring, uh field goal percentage, uh three point shooting, and so far has been for naught. The Pistons have done best when they play good defense, and that's what they need to do. They need to stop Gordon Hayward. They need to stop Derek Favors. Uh, even Trey Burke, they got to stop him too. Not because he's too much of a threat, just because he uh, wants to wear a Michigan jersey. But these are the type of things I want to see the Pistons do when they play the Jazz, if they're going to even hope for a win. Yeah, well, I think big for Detroit is that the Jazz game is at home. The Jazz have always seemed to play a lot better when they're at home as compared to on the road. Like I said, very young team led by guys like Gordon Hayward, Trey Burke. They have Dante Exum now, who they just drafted. Uh, Derek Favors is a really good up-and-coming big man in this league. N.S. Cantor. So, you know, I like their core. I like them for the future. But having said that, I do think the Jazz come in here and take a win away from Detroit. I like the basketball that they're playing right now. When you beat a team like Cleveland and you beat LeBron James, that that gives your team a confidence boost, guaranteed. Uh-huh, and that's what worries me, too, just coming off that confidence boost high, off beating LeBron James and Kevin Love and everyone else down there in Cleveland. It's a little bit dangerous, a little bit disheartening if you're in a Pistons jersey to me. Uh, just seeing, like, who have we beat? We beat the New York Knicks. We shut down Melo, but we almost lost that game, and J.R. Smith didn't even play. So, yes, are you proud of that victory? Of course you are. Uh, you won your first game of the season. Congrats. But you really need to prove something right now. And if you're going to prove something, I say beat the Jazz to prove it. Are they going to? I'm a little afraid they're going to come out of this uh, these next couple games with a 1-5 record. And I would hate to have that happen, but that's the way things are looking like. All right, well, we're about to wrap it up here on 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. But before we go, Colin, let's take a look at just some NBA news. A lot of controversy right now coming from Cleveland with the Cavaliers not getting off to the start that a lot of people thought they would. Uh, You know, they have the new big three, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. Dad just brought home a new sports car, wants to take it out for a test spin, you know, tires out. Tires now got to be rotated. Things just are not going well. Cars got to get in to be repaired. I'll ask you this. What are your thoughts on the Cavaliers? I know there have been a lot of reports saying that LeBron and Kyrie are kind of yeah, they're yelling at each other. And this is a whole new system for LeBron because he's not used to playing with a true point guard like Kyrie Irving. He's never done that. He's always been the guy to kind of bring the ball up the court and you run the offense through him. Obviously we probably both believe that they'll figure it out. They're too talented not to, but when do they figure it out? I mean, we saw, I'm not going to say the same tension. Uh, You didn't see LeBron and Dwayne Wade yelling at each other when he first got to Miami, but you did see the first doubts. Uh, The sports car wasn't quite running the way it should, Um, but they figured it out and won a couple championships out of it took a little bit longer than the day they were on stage yelling, not one, not two, not three. But they got a couple championships out of the deal. So I'm saying right now as a Pistons fan, hopefully that Cleveland doesn't work it out to that point. But I 
I don't see them not figuring out, at least by the end of the season, they're still a playoff team, if not uh, top four in the East. Yeah, and, and, you know, it takes time to get to know your teammates, know how things work, stuff like that. So, like you said, they'll figure it out. Media just does this because it's a story. It's about LeBron James. There's controversy with LeBron James. It needs to be covered. But, you know, Cleveland will be fine. Obviously, it's something to keep an eye on as to where when they'll improve. And team chemistry isn't something that just happens overnight. That's one of the reasons why I think Detroit is better equipped to make the playoffs this year than what they were last year. That's one of the few reasons. And so, you know, it's a fun story to just kind of keep an eye on. I don't know how big of a LeBron James fan you are. When he went to Miami, I kind of lost interest in him. I never really liked LeBron's teams to win. But, you know, now he's in our division again. He's spent so many years early on in his career destroying the Pistons' hopes and dreams of NBA championships. So hopefully that trend will not continue. All right, this has been the Horsepower here on 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. For all your MSU and Detroit sports news, make sure to check out the Impact Sports website at impact89fm.org backslash sports. We'll keep you updated with all your latest and greatest in Pistons news, and you know what, hopefully they add some more victories by the time we do our next podcast, and we'll be able to talk about those. But until then, keep up with your Pistons, keep up with your MSU sports. We're wishing them great luck against the Spartans, the Buckeyes, excuse me. So, yeah, gosh, I'm all over the place right now. Spartans but, playing Spartans. Uh, for Cameron Billis and Colin Jackson and the Horsepower, this is 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. Good night.